Welcome to Episode 12 of PCS Reads, the summer reading podcast for Parkview Center School and any other summer readers who want to join us. I'm your host, Laura, Parkview School Librarian. Each Friday of this summer, we have had a new episode of this podcast, and next Friday will be our last episode for the summer. We have a special episode planned for next week, a back-to-school book recommendation bonanza. There is still space for more recommendations, so if you have a book recommendation, please call it in now for next week's episode. The book recommendation hotline is 612-568-5355. To start us off, here is this episode's reading challenge. Read out loud in a goofy voice. Poetry or joke books could be really great for this challenge. Remember, if you go to Parkview, when school starts, stop in and tell me about the reading challenges you have done over the summer. I have a special PCS Reads Summer Reading Memento for you. Earlier this summer, author Kelly Barnhill wrote a short prequel to The Girl Who Drank the Moon, which was printed in the magazine Entertainment Weekly. Last week, we heard author Kelly Barnhill read to us part one of the prequel. In a moment, we will hear her read the second part. But first, here's a little bit from Kelly talking about her experience as a park ranger, Costa Rica, Yellowstone Park, volcanoes, and wonder. My husband and I used to be park rangers um, in Olympic National Park, uh, which is a really, really cool place to be. And our ranger station was 30 miles in in any direction, and there were, you know, cougar and elk and bear and uh, marmots, and uh, there were goats, but they're not supposed to be goats there, so we had to um, alert the authorities whenever we saw a goat, a rogue goat. They were brought in um, by hunters, um, uh, you know, a long time ago, but they are not good for the landscape. They are an invasive species there. I spend a lot of time in nature. Um, we go up to the Boundary Waters every year. I started writing this book, actually, when I first started, like, my the very first chapters I wrote um, longhand, and um, uh, before I realized that I had to write this much more quickly than I had anticipated. And I and I actually started writing the, the chapters while down in Costa Rica um, on my honeymoon. We had been married for 15 years, but it took us that long to go on a honeymoon because we were broke for a long time. <laughs> And still mostly are, but you know, the uh, we were able to like actually like make this trip happen, and we were only there for a week, and we like super did it on the cheap, and we were taking buses everywhere, which was great for our Spanish, and uh, we were just trying to get to like as wild as wild the places as we could, and you know, a lot of the national parks there are um, are very sort of um, contained, like what you can see is very contained, but uh, we went to a park that was um, sort of in the north part of the country that's all 
all in, um, uh, it's all surrounding one central volcano. And it was so awesome. And we spent a long time talking to the other park rangers there because um, we had to, you know, talk shop as former park rangers. And, and, um, and they, were, they were so excited that we were there. And they, they said, well, what could you possibly see here? Like the big animals are where you are. And uh, which is true. They don't have like big mammals there. So they wanted to like hear about our cougar sightings and our bear sightings and our elk sightings and but the but the landscape was so amazing i had never been on a volcanic landscape like that before you know rivers that just like start and disappear you know they come out of a hole and they go into a hole and the whole river is like you know 200 feet long and that's it so crazy uh we couldn't go we couldn't summit it because the air was bad sometimes there will be like poisonous gas eruptions and um so we couldn't there was like areas that we couldn't go to there were um places the land was really thin and there was boiling water underneath like all that stuff was so awesome and amazing and so that's actually the reason why i mean i was not thinking about a volcano when I was you know, first conceptualizing this story, the, uh, there is a volcano because I started writing it while on a volcano. <laughs> and then later, we took the kids to uh, Yellowstone National Park, which I had never been to before, and also an incredibly dynamic landscape. And there's just, there's so much wonder in the world, you know? There's so much wonder that when one writes about magic, one is writing about wonder. And now, here is Kelly Barnhill with part two of the prequel to The Girl Who Drank the Moon. In which a lost girl discovers bees, part two. Back in the castle, the other magicians had worked themselves into a frenzy. It isn't that we wanted to lie to you, old friend, Lady Tenick said after cornering Zosimos in the archive room. It's just that we knew you'd tell us not to do it. The old wizard paused a moment to glare at her. Then he gathered the documents he needed into a large leather portfolio and hurried out of the room. What on earth have you done with her, you ridiculous old man? The estimable Fitz fumed as he followed the old wizard through the, co- the corridors of the oldest library. Though Zosimos outaged the esp- estimable Fitz by several centuries, the younger magician had trouble keeping up with the elder wizard. He stumbled and huffed and kept having to readjust his spy glasses as they hurried past stack after stack after stack. Every once in a while, Zosimos would spy a book that interested him and, with a flick of his left wrist, magic it off the shelf and onto his growing tower of books that floated and bobbed behind him like an oddly shaped balloon. "'I am talking to you, wizard! I will not tolerate this perpetual ignoring!' the magician said, gesticulating wildly until he knocked his hand hard against the wall. Zosimos continued to ignore him, keeping his own eyes on the ancient spines in the long rows of bookshelves and muttering to himself, often in languages that the magician did not know. 
Volume after volume skittered from shelf to floating stack. You bury yourself in books, but here we have a living, breathing specimen that we may... Swifter than the estimable fits would have thought possible, Zazimos turned on his heel, knocked the magician's spyglass off his face with the heel of one hand, and grabbed him by the throat of the, uh, with the other. Using the force of his body, and some magic too, Zazimos pinned the younger man against the bookshelf. Well, the estimable fits gasped, there's no call for. If you ever call that child a spy, specimen again, you'll get worse than this, the old man said. She has a name. Yes, but I do not know what it is, the magician said. He gave the, the wizard a narrowed look. Do you? She has a name, the wizard repeated, letting the magician fall to the ground, and it doesn't belong to you. He motioned for the stack of books to follow him as he exited through the back door. Lady Ignit was waiting for him there. She was a good head and shoulders taller than the wizard, and her curved gait made him think of a tiger when it prowls. She was all muscle and hunger and predatory pounce. She belongs to me. Lady Ignit said, her voice so low it was almost a whisper. I found her. I saved her. She is mine now. That is the way of things. And then you put her in harm's way. Or perhaps you, dear lady, are the harm. In any case, the man magic binding you to her was disrupted. She belongs to no one, only herself. He hoped this was true. Lady Ignit showed her teeth. You can't keep her from me. You know you can't. The cord that binds me to her is stronger than your paltry magic. That's where you're wrong, Zazimo said, skirting from her grasp and hurrying down the hall. He checked over his shoulder again and again. She wasn't following him. He was sure of it. The girl still did not know her name. Strangely, this didn't seem to bother her. The old man had come and gone for two weeks, and Nien explained that he was kind. The girl wasn't so sure. He was cranky, and he liked to bark orders too much and fuss at her for not learning and not knowing. How could she learn, and how could she know? The world she came from was all a muddle. Her few memories were fuzzy and barbed. They hurt if she grasped too tightly. Surely you must have some recollection, Zazimo said. He kept looking over his shoulder. Were you named for a bird, for example? Are you heron, or crow, or wren? Are you feather, or claw? No, said the girl. Or perhaps you're named for a landform. Are you ocean? Are you meadow, or glen? I don't think so, said the girl. Useless, the wizard said, and the mother dragon scooped her up again and cradled her in her great wings. Enough, the dragon said. You're coddling her, the wizard fumed. Do you realize what we're up against? Hmm. Do you realize that you're a cranky old toad? For a, cr for a creature of her size, Anine had su surprised, surprisingly dexterous talons. She picked delicate blo blossoms from a flowering tree nearby, weaving the petals into the girl's dark braids. 
If she doesn't know her own name, then one of those idiots will name her instead, harness her, or drain her, or bore her to death with their insufferable presentations. They are making it up as they go along. Hmm. Last I checked, the, dra the dragon said mildly, so are we. She uncurled her neck to its full extension and lifted her head to the sky. All those fine movements had given her a crick in her shoulder. You don't know that anything bad will happen at all. Perhaps she will drain them. Did you think of that? The egg on the bed of moss gave a little shiver and a shake. The mother dragon scooped the egg into her other wing and held both girl and egg close to her chest. Of course I thought of that, Zosimo snapped. I think of everything. And that was true. And it was also true that he had no idea what would happen. That was just the trouble. How could he protect her from things that he didn't understand? I want to protect her, the wizard noticed himself thinking, more than anything in the world. Zosimos jumped. Did you hear that? Hm, I've heard nothing the dragon said, laying her neck around the girl in a hoop and offering her cheek as a, larm, oh, as a large, warm surface for the, cho the child to lean upon. Someone knows, Zazimos muttered. Someone's been following me. I can feel it. I felt nothing, the dragon said. But the girl did. There was something in the forest, a dark, prowly something, like a wolf or perhaps a tiger. The girl kept one hand on the dragon's neck and stretched the other toward Zosimos. I'll try harder, the girl whispered, but it was no use. Other than the tree and the blossoms and the bees in her dream, other than the vague faces of the man and woman she assumed must be her parents, whoever she was and wherever she was from were nothing more than a formless darkness in her mind, and she could not penetrate it. She climbed out of the protective embrace of the dragon and walked over to the wizard. She held her hand out and closed her eyes. A, a tulip, large and lurid, grew from the center of her palm. She smiled at the old wizard. You see? I'm learning things. Very good, child, the dragon enthused. Very clever. Am I supposed to be impressed with this? The wizard fumed. None of this matters. Don't you like my flower? The girl asked. No, the Zosimo said. Do you have a name? <laughs> but I worked so hard on it, the girl said, pretending to be crestfallen. But Zosimos could see it was only a sham. Plucky little thing, he thought, trying not to be pleased. The flower is irrelevant. The only thing that matters... But Zosimos didn't finish his sentence. The magicians emerged from the curtain of green. They looked at the girl. There was hunger in their faces. Bees, the girl thought. Bees, bees, bees. Though she didn't know why. Her mind jumbled. She had memories that she couldn't remember and knowledge that she did not know. She had a name once. She had a house and a family and parents once. They slipped in and out of her knowing, a glint here, a corner there, here an edge, but never all at once. She had magic now, but her name was nowhere to be found. She never imagined she'd miss it. 
Despite the girl's annoyance at the magician, she understood what he meant. There was power in a name, in the possession of one's own name. Just as the word bees was powerful, and the word tree was powerful, her name would be powerful too. She could own herself outright. The magicians picked their way through the forest. Only one moved with any kind of nimble grace. The rest stumbled as though they hadn't walked outside in years. The girl watched them come. There she is, said the magician with the metal leg extensions. There in the flowers. Isn't she lovely? Flowers, the girl thought and the flowers enlarged themselves. They lifted her from the ground. The dragon began to hiss, but the magicians didn't notice. Instead, they smiled, raised their hands, and began to clap (laughs) delicately at her. They were ever so pleased. Well, most of them were. Well done, said the man with the spyglasses attached to his face. Marvelous, said the woman with the green skin and a third eye below her throat. You are ever so much much more advanced than we thought, said the man with jewels in his mustache. I am sorry that that we frightened you before. You have so much to teach us. You don't even have to do a thing. I'm fairly certain our experiments won't hurt a bit. You are a very special child. Do you know that? The dragon couldn't stand another second of this. She lowered her head, extended her neck, and uncurled her wrath between the girl and the magicians. Away, she snarled. All of you. Dragons, of course, are mostly immune to magic, but they are not immune to rocks hurled by magic. The tall magician with the predatory walk stepped forward. The girl felt a great wave of sorrow crash over her for no reason. I don't like that woman, she thought, and the more sorrow she felt, the more the magician began to smile. Move along, all of you, Zosimo said. The child is not for you. She is not for your experiments, neither. You can stuff your scholarship in a sack and drown it in the river for all I care. The child belongs to herself. She'd have died she'd have died if I hadn't saved her. She was drowning in a sea of sorrow, the tall woman said. She already belongs to me. The day I take your words as anything resembling the truth, Lady Ignit, is the the day I eat my cloak for supper, the, the old wizard said. Lady Ignit rolled back her shoulders. She smiled as boulders launched themselves into the air and hovered just overhead. Trees, too. Move back, dragon. You do not want us as enemies. There will be much sorrowing if you are dead. The magicians edged away from Lady Ignit, alarm on their faces. Well, huffed the magician with with the mustache. I say, that is a bit much, dear lady, said the man with metal points on his hand. This is not what we agreed, said the woman with the third eye. Dragons are rare. It is a sin to harm one. She turned to the old wizard. Zosimos, please, there is no need for any of this. If the girl could have done so, she would have named herself already. But she couldn't, just as she couldn't speak the names of things until the time was right, just as all words were gone from her until they weren't. She looked at the tall woman. Bees, she said. Bees, 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 bees. And just like that, the woman was bees. Or bees 
were the woman. A woman-shaped swarm hovering in the midst of everything. An army of bees becoming a becoming arms of bees, touching a face of bees, a mouth of bees opened into a buzzy scream. The magicians gasped. Take it back, they shouted at her. Take it back. I don't know how, the girl cried. She stumbled off her enlarged flower and fell hard on the ground, cutting her hands and knees, panicked, burned at her throat. I don't know what to do, she said, clutching the wizard's long cloak the way she once had clutched her mother's skirts. Give me a name, the girl pleaded. If I have a name, I'll know what to do. The old wizard tilted his head. He could leave Lady Ignat in this state. Of course he could. The bees remained in their woman's shape, a mask of terror pressed upon its face. Zosimos closed his eyes. Bees, the girl thought. Bees, bees, she couldn't thought. The flowers became bees. The stones became bees. The baubles in the mustache of Master Ulf, they also became bees. And then his entire mustache. And then his hands. Zazimos had buried what was left of his family eons ago, before any of these magicians were born, before even Anine was born. Ever since then, ever, ever since he made his way to the castle, through, through wave and wave of scholars and mages and magicians and hangers-on, he had been separate, a codger among codger, a grump among grumps. If he named her, she would be... He could hardly bear to think of the word. Master Alf screamed as his arms became bees, and then his shoulders, and then his chest. Zenthippi, Zazimo said, your name is Zenthippi, but I shall call you Zan. It was his sister's name. His sister was troublesome too, belovedly troublesome. He hadn't thought of her for centuries. Now the memory of her nearly broke him in half. Zenthippi, he said again, I claim you, child. I am responsible for you. You are as family to me as my first family was. Now, try hard, dear. Your magic is beholden to you, not you to it. You tell it what you want it to do. The girl was not even sure if she wanted the cranky old wizard as family, but she knew she, what, that what he said was true. Her name was Zan. She felt it in her bones, just as bee belonged to bees and tree belonged to trees, just as uh, so Zan belonged utterly to her. The magic in her bones and her skin and her blood and hair all moved to the same rhythm. Zanfippi, 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 like a heartbeat. She saw the, she saw the bees, the bees that were the tall woman, the bees that were flowers, the bees that were stones, the bees that were the hands and shoulders and mustache of Master Ulf. She knew what to do. She raised one hand, and then the other. There was magic all around her, and it harmonized with the magic in her bones. She felt herself draw inward toward it with her own strange gravity. It was diz dizzying, this magic. Satisfying, too, taking that which was wrong and making it right. The bees hummed. The old man sighed, and the woman who had been transformed howled in shock and relief and rage. Though how much rage, the girl did not know. Not for a long time. Though Zazimos remained wary of his colleague's motives, Zam was quick to forgive. 
She grew to trust Master Ulf and Magister Linnea and the estimable Fitz, and to seek their knowledge and research and company, though she was never able to warm um, to any one of them, and this was only partially her fault. Zan could not forgive herself for what she had accidentally done to Lady Ignit, and Lady Ignit, for her part, could not forgive the girl for being the one to reverse the spell. The woman had saved the girl, and so a favor had been owed, and then the girl saved the woman, fulfilling the debt. Zan now owed Lady Ignit nothing, and Lady Ignit couldn't forgive her for it. There, Zazimos had said at the time, now you're even. The woman spat in his face. There are some people, Zan decided, who will never be your friend. And that was that. Sometimes at night, when Zan's dreams were particularly heartbreaking, she would wake up convinced that something waited outside of her door, a hungry something. Sorrow is dangerous, she told herself. It was a thing she knew to be true, though she couldn't say why. One night she woke to a strange dream. She realized with no small amount of relief that it was that there was no sorrow anywhere to be found in the dream, but it was unsettling all the same, and curious. There were birds and poetry, and a dragon so small it fit in her pocket, and a creature in a swamp. She was about to call out for Enine, but thought better of it when she heard the dragon nearby, speaking in low tones to Zazimos. Zan pricked up her ears. Are you sure? the dragon said. Quite, the wizard sighed. He sat down. His, jo his joints cracked and creaked as he bent. Had they always done that? How much time? Unknown. This sort of thing isn't well covered in the literature. It was warned against for a reason. All this magic. She'll have to learn to use it on her own. I just hope I have enough time to teach her a little bit. I just hope she'll have the sense to listen. I just hope she'll be ready. And then she'll grow up, the dragon said, a great weight in her voice. As they do. Is anyone ever ready for that? Zan waited and waited for Zazimos to answer. He didn't. He said nothing. The dragon said nothing. Zan pulled her knees to her chest, listening to the silence between wizard and dragon, silence as big as a mountain or the ocean or the sky. She laid her cheek on her knees as the wind pushed through the trees, swirling past the rumbling sky and the bright flashes in the clouds promising rain. A special thank you to Algonquin Young Readers, a division of Workman Publishing, for their support of this podcast. Each episode of PCS Reads ends with book recommendations. Next week is the final episode of the summer, and to end the summer, the last episode will be a back-to-school book recommendation bonanza. Please call in and share a book you read this summer, or recommend a book you love. Just call the PCS Reads book recommendation hotline at 612-568-5355 and leave a message. 
the message you leave will be saved for next week's episode. Here are this episode's book recommendations. to recommend The School for Good and Evil. Um, it's fantasy. The characters are learning to be the characters of fairy tales like Jack and the Beanstalk and Sleeping Beauty and, and Cinderella and the like. Um, it's funny and there's a bit of romance and the author describes the main characters in the school really one of the Parkview kindergarten teachers. I would like to recommend the book Bucket Filling from A to Z, The Key to Being Happy. It's written by Carol McLeod and illustrated by Glenn Zimmer. This is a book that I enjoy reading with my students at school, but also with my own kids at home. Bucket Filling is about boys and girls doing nice things for other people and using kind words to make others feel good. I like reading this book because it reminds me of all the people I know that fill my bucket and fill my heart with joy. It also reminds me of ways that I can make other people happy, too. This is a fun book that I know you will enjoy. I hope you have a great rest of your summer. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Last week, I shared a clue for you about some exciting news about someone who will be visiting Parkview in September. My clue for you was, what do you do when someone asks you to say cheese? And when someone tells you to say cheese, it probably means they are taking your picture and you should smile. Here's one more clue about who will be visiting Parkview this fall. Here's another clue. What are two girls in the same family? Sisters. So, smile and sisters. I bet some of you can guess who is coming to Parkview this fall. Yep, I am so excited to share that this September the creator of the book Smile Sisters, Drama, and her new book, Ghosts, Raina Telgemeier, will be visiting Parkview. There will be more information about this visit at our open house and during the first week of school. 
Well, that's all for this episode of PCS Reads. Thanks for listening, and I hope you will join us again for the final summer episode, the back-to-school book recommendation bonanza. Until then, happy end of summer, happy reading.